Well, hello, Ryan. Hello, Carrie. <laughs> only been a decade no <laughs> I, I don't even think we should Since check our last it. it's, podcast. it's probably been a, a year or more maybe, maybe more yes probably more it's got to be at least a year i don't know let's maybe not two. drag I don't, that i don't want to check yeah. <laughs> the last word this would be episode nine and it is our reintroduction to ourselves um and i'd like to point out that we have a really cool retro lo-fi sound quality so we're cool <laughs> yeah, that's what all the kids want these days, anyways. Mm-hmm. We got old timey uh, podcast sound going, um, <laughs> but I'm enjoying that. <laughs> so, uh, in the name of getting back into podcasting, I reached out to you and just said, "What? You and I just talk uh, for number nine, number nine, nine, um, and uh, and just catch up." Yeah, exactly. And. I think it's not like uh, we haven't been doing much though in the, since the last episode. Not, yeah, nothing's been happening in our lives, of course. Mm-hmm. That's never true. Um, we were just talking as we got on the phone and we're attempting to handle Skype that we are in Mer- Mercury retrograde. And that's why things are going wrong. So um, I love that we're already setting the precedent to blame astrological things. <laughs> I, I, why not? On, yeah, start there. Why not? It's more interesting. We're. Um, um, and magical how that's happening. But, um, recently I've sort of, uh, recommitted to, um, the coaching business that I started and, uh, the website, uh, that I built for that and updated it. And on there is one, a blog that I also haven't attended to, uh, but want to revisit. And then, um, also want to link this podcast in the name of, revitalizing my interest in uh, people and the things going on in their lives and um, the common conversation that we often have to be reminded that we're all going through a bunch of crap (laughs) (laughs) or good stuff, even though we think people aren't, especially when you're on like Instagram or, you know, Facebook and everybody has lives that look perfect. Yeah, Um, their heavily curated lives do look perfect when you edit out the bad stuff. Exactly. It's so annoying. But secretly, there's probably something um, equally as not debilitating, but you know what I mean? Like, everybody's got their own crap going on. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) And so so I wanted to start this podcast up, and and I just thought – I like that we do the podcast together. I like that. I've been listening to a few, um, and I love that people, a lot of them have, you know, even if it's Howard Stern or like Dak Shepard, or they, they have someone who's doing it with them, you know, mm-hmm. like their partner. Um, and I think you're a good partner to me. And I, so I was like, we got to keep this going, man. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good idea. I appreciate that you said that. So that's nice. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yes, I, and, I mean it. And I agree. I mean, I um, listen to a, one podcast where it's just one guy, and I love him dearly. He's a, he's a good guy, but it's just like it's not as interesting because it's just him talking for like an hour or two hours, you know. And like his stories are good, but yeah. you're like it, it loses a little bit of that dynamic. Or do you think you really got to be into what he's talking about? Otherwise, you're going to lose attention. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, you really have to be paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, I love some of the ones I've been listening to have little sound bites as well, like excerpts from um, 
speakers or somebody else that makes a point that they like. And maybe in the future, that might be interesting, especially if there's a talk or some, you know, like a TED talk or something interesting where I'm like, what I'm talking about is this. And here's somebody who is an expert or says it really well. Um, because mm-hmm. going into the future, uh, the, the topics I'm really interested in, uh, are really around midlife and coaching, not necessarily that I want to talk so much about coaching and what it's like to do coaching, but the reasons why you do it or subject matter that, um, uh, that I'm interested in that, that there's a lot of coaches out there like that. But, um, my core stuff that I like to teach or do work, it's like workshops around creativity, mm-hmm. music being my background, um, but also midlife and all the subject matter that comes around midlife. Cause forever as I've moved into midlife, um, realized it's such a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just a guy buying a red Corvette or whatever, that it, it's actually a lot of real things and people tend to um, shift in similar ways um, or have experiences that start showing up um, that bring up new experiences like grief or loss um, or career change or, oh my God, there's that thing I always wanted to do, I, but I haven't done it yet. And, uh, and then deeper into uh, need for empowerment and courage and perspective changing, um, identifying stories that you're living by and changing those so you can be freer and more authentic, mm-hmm. like really being yourself. Yeah, that sounds um, like all good stuff, man. I mean, do you, do you feel that way? Like we're of similar age. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you and I haven't talked in a while, but we were talking also about like job changes and then, you know, looking what's the next job and what does it mean to you? And, um, so catch me up, like, where are you at these days? Uh, I think since the last time we spoke, I'm probably at the same place. I'm still at a startup. Uh, it's a small startup that's making a, it's called novel effect, but primarily it's like an iOS app right now. We're working on an Android app. We're working on some other new tech. It's like a, it's a fun company. Cause it's this, that's cool. The concept is like the majority of what we have right now is like for children's books. And so like you, we create music and sound effects that play in real time as you read aloud a story. So it's like we augment the story with music and sound effects, which is, just something that's fun and cool. It's like, it's a fun experience. Kids really like it. You know, it's like we're, we get to work with really cool composers who get to like score, you know, these, these like the sounds for these very popular children's titles. And it's just kind of, you know, it's, it's a nice change from uh, other software startups I've worked at. Like the, the pace is a little bit more realistic, you know, as opposed to being crazy. And we're definitely working hard, but it's, (laughs) it's not like everybody's dying here. Uh, right, and the thing, right, we're, exactly. the thing we're making is fun. It's like kids enjoy it, you know. So that's always a good thing. Yeah. Well, it's so unique, um, and you're right. And for kids, so it's got to be really creative and lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Um, God, that's and yeah. Who are all the people? So you meet composers. Um, who's maybe some of your favorite couple of people you've gotten to collaborate with? I mean, we actually have two full-time composers here, so they're my favorites uh, for sure because we get to work with them all the time, um, and they're really great. Nice. Yeah. And I think the stuff that they make is, you know, it's such a high quality just that they sit down and just can come up with these, like, creative concepts to support reading a story. You know, it's just, it blows my mind because, like, I'm not the type of person that can just think of music and compose music. I mean, I enjoy music, but I'm not a composer like you are or these other folks. It's like... 
I really wish I had that, that skill where I could be like, oh, this is the idea I want. And I could just pick up an instrument and play that idea. So it's fun yeah. to see people who can do that. You know? I, can, I can help you with that. Yeah. <laughs> it will be your own unique brand of music, right? <laughs> Which is what it's all about. Exactly. But yeah, what a great job for them, too. Like, what do you do? Oh, I compose music for um, children's books. Like, that's what a great job. Love yeah, that. I think they have a lot of fun. I think they're, I think I it's think hard it's, to get that kind of job too, you know, especially in Seattle. Yeah. Well, yeah, no kidding. Right. Well, it's quite the niche. Mm-hmm. Like not everybody's doing it, but I think it's, it's interesting. I, I think you feel the same way. So for folks who don't know, we used to work at the same place together and that's how we met. Mm-hmm. And it was a agency, like a digital agency, if that's still the correct way to say it, um, that did, Uh, not only tech work, but marketing and things like that. And that was 2000, what was that? 2014? Yes. 15? Somewhere around there. Yeah. I think 15. (laughs) I think I I left around 15. (laughs) Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. I was there for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And stayed friends. And then I left a year or so afterwards um, and had hit like a burnout on project management in the tech world um, because I've been doing it since 2004 Mm -hmm. and we had then moved to Tacoma so I went and worked for the school district of Tacoma thinking uh, I'd like to see what it's like to be around kids you know and maybe I guess teaching might have been an idea in there somewhere but I think at the same time we've both been sort of examining like um, what kind of work do you want to do? You know, especially when you leave a place, you're like, okay, what worked about that? What didn't? Right. Um, and so it's been really interesting to hone that idea and act, like actively hone it, like respectfully to yourself, uh, make decisions about what works for you and what doesn't. Cause I think a lot of people don't, they think, or they don't think they can have control or it makes them nervous. And so they, you know, just stay in a job they don't like or, um, keep taking the jobs they know they can do yeah, for that sure. seems safer. Yeah, it definitely they're is. they're not happy. But that was one of the things even before I took this job, you know, I was interviewing a lot of different places and there were quite a few that I was like, after I go in, interview, talk to them, I was like, no, I'm not interested. You know, and that's a hard thing to do because you're like, well, this job is definitely one that would pay really well. But right. the culture and the people, you know, they seem okay, but it's just like, go and do this every day? No. <laughs> and being, being okay with making that decision is hard because you're just like, oh, I got a family to take care of, so I can't turn down all the jobs, right. you know. Right. It's it scary. Well, when I think when you have confidence and you know you're making those decisions for right reasons, because ultimately what can happen if you accept jobs like that is you get ill, right? Yeah. I think ultimately when you're unhappy, I, I believe you know, the body responds or you get depressed. And so ultimately you wouldn't be good for your family anyways. Um, nor should you, I don't believe, nor should you be in stuff that makes you unhappy. That's not a have to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some people, it, it, I'm sure that sounds very um, entitled or um, first world problems. Yeah. But if you, if you have the ability to like hone what works for you, it's, it creates good things all the way around for everybody. Yeah, I think that's more um, key. I mean, not everybody's privileged to be able to make those choices. Like sometimes you do have to have that crappy job, sure. and it's like I understand. I've had mm-hmm. pl- plenty of crappy jobs in my day, but I think that's right? the, the thing is you're reaching that midlife point where you're like, you know what? I don't want to do that anymore. You know, crappy jobs yeah. do, do take a lot out of you. Well, and and you will work hard to go find the right one, and then work hard. It's not a lack of 
working hard. Um, it was mm-hmm. it was difficult for me to, like you were saying, you get a job, you're like, it would pay well. It seems like it's the right thing to do. Um, even when I was in school, um, there, there are lots of places, there's a lot of need for um, the position I was doing was paraeducator, which is a support to a class. And currently in Tacoma, those jobs have gotten raises, which is great because for a couple things, when I and my husband were doing this job, it, I've never seen a job pay less. <laughs> like, I mean, I went from working in the tech world to working in the school district, making literally $950 a month. Oh, see, that's the hard like, thing. Like, education should pay more, but it doesn't, which is well, yeah, pretty yeah. lame. But even that, like understanding it's an entry-level support job, I was like, not even a 20-year-old with no children or anything could live off of that here now mm-hmm. with the rents and all of that. I was like, not, not even a young single person can, because that's your rent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe. And you kind of wonder, like, who is but, that uh, salary for? It's like you have to kind of already be yeah. comfortable to be able to take that kind of job on or have a partner uh-huh. start to well, support you. Yeah. Right. Well, and we were only able to do it because we chose to live off of some savings um, to, to do that and experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's lots of retirees who do the job. There's um, other people who have partners who work. And so this is their supplemental income. And But they recently um, raised their uh, pay by a big, a big leap. And so that's really exciting. That is great. Uh, yeah. But at the time, like when I was doing it, all, uh, not only was the pay too difficult to stay with, um, but it was the first time I was ever at a job where I realized I could, emotionally couldn't do the job. Like it would suck the life out of me or I wouldn't be able to handle the um, emotional darkness. Like I was working in a TLC room, which is therapeutic learning, which mm-hmm. often has a lot of kids who've experienced trauma. And those kiddos definitely, obviously, need all the support they can get. Um, and I was working in a classroom, and I had never worked one in a classroom like that or with kids like that, so I was learning a lot. Um, but it was really dark, too. Mm. Um, and they had an amazing teacher who, one, was insanely patient and had been with them for a few years. So she would say to me, it may look like there's no progress, but believe me, you've only been here for a little time. Believe me, there's been progress. It's hard to see, but you got to kind of understand that going into this kind of work. And they, uh, the office had told me, hey, we're going to have a position open. Would you be interested? And it was one of the first times I've ever said, I don't think I could emotionally survive it. Like, it would be too dark for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's good to know just that. In, yeah. Yeah, but I don't like to be a quitter, you know, like nobody <laughs> likes to be a, what felt like, oh, I don't want to say no, like, because I want to help and, um, uh, but, but it was, it was really dark, dark. I mean, you've got five-year-olds who are, when they trigger or if they're not on their medication, this is just some of the kids, a couple scenarios will, you know, I've been kicked, hit, spit on, bitten, mm-hmm. Uh, I've had a five-year-old call me names. I've never heard an adult <laughs> call me, you know, like, and just that's on a daily basis. And it's hard to watch a sweet five-year-old go from that trigger. And oh, then, for sure. and yeah. you know, it's 
not in the yeah, it's not it's from terrible history and yeah. um i i feel like i'm fairly empathic and i just was finding that i, I was so drained every day that i, I was like the, in order to do this job i i I would have to go walk into the forest every day or whatever. And I had my own family to tend to. And so I had to say no to it. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to be uh, almost a saint to do that kind of job all the time. Regularly. I mean, people who do it, oh, man. either a really good ability to just turn it all off and just be like, I'm just here to do this, you know, <laughs> or you just yeah. have, like, well, be super empathetic somehow. Well, I think it helps to like the teacher had training or at least, you know, some training. The thing about a, a sub para educator, you aren't given any information. Hmm. You're just thrown I mean, right you're not, in, and, huh? and often you're thrown right in. Um, often you're temporary. And so, um, the people don't start to integrate you in or give you information or back. You really have nothing. You can, you can ask for it. I certainly did. Like, can you please give me some information on what's going on here so that I can be of help, whatever you can legally tell me, I guess. Um, because I want to feel like I'm of help while I'm here. So, but you'd have to ask for it sometimes because you were such a ghost coming and going. And I found that hard too. Like I, I kind of like to belong to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would, I would make an effort to say like, tell me how I can do the best job here. What's going on. And, um, then a lot of times folks would give you something, but, uh, at least teachers, you know, have had education and mentors, um, somewhat, right. So they know, information about what this is, what's happening, and then potentially um, what you can do. You know, like she had a program that she would run every day. And I'll say on top of this, a lot of the teachers, which I'll caveat and say is now my husband, my husband's become a teacher and he teaches self-contained uh, in a, he teaches a self-contained autism class. Mm-hmm. Um and so just to watch him and the education he's got, I'm like, man, all that information is so valuable and helpful just to know what potentially to do or not to do, right? Right, right. Because, you, you know, if you don't know about all the spectrum of somebody who's had trauma or if you don't know anything about the autism spectrum and you've just got your regular thought process, you know, you might see a kid act a certain way and being going, oh, they're just being jerks. And I'm like, oh no, they're just, you know, they're triggering off of other things or they're having a delayed reaction or, um, they touch is hard for them or. Mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, it's like little things can trigger, you know, these irrational behaviors and it's not personal. It's just that that's a thing that sets them off, you know, and it's hard to understand that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's difficult. It's like, you're there not just to support these kids. You're there to actually teach them too so it's like i'm here right. like, like whereas like probably 90 percent is just supporting them and then you're like but i still gotta teach yeah <laughs> yeah and you know what you're totally right a lot of it this is the elementary school level mm-hmm. um a lot of it is every kid's different so a lot of the children uh, i think all the kids have ieps which are uh free study documents that say, here's what they need and here's the support we're going to give them. Um, so you've got, you know, 12 to whatever <laughs> different IEPs and different situations. And, and some kids are capable of learning a, a lot, a ton or some kids, you know, are, are limited and what they're going to potentially be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember what I, I then, IEP means? I've... IEP, um, 
I'm not going to know the acronym. I should, I'll look it up and then so maybe the, we can post about yeah, it. Google My says it's the individualized education program. <laughs> Is that correct? Thank you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I didn't so know what it was. It's an individualized so. program and you, and a teacher gets, a teacher writes it out and then you meet with the school and the parents and they say, okay, here's the program we've laid out for your child for this year. And it lists, you know, how you're going to support them, what I think, what they're capable of or how they're doing right now. And, the things that you're going to do for them, um, the things that they need as well. Like some kids, you know, are, um, they'll, they'll lay out the things that they're going to learn, but they're also going to be like, Oh, the conditions that they have, the reactions that they have, and how are we going to support them, um, as best possible, um, how they trigger. And I, you know, I think I'm, I, I think I'm speaking to this correctly. My husband can, they will have him on the podcast. We talk all about this <laughs> and, uh, but see, you can see like how much is going on and in, in going into these classes and there's so much need for support and help and and they're last on the rung for a lot of the times for mm-hmm. getting help. You know what I mean? And because schools have all everything else to deal with, I know, you know, yeah. with gen, gen ed, general ed kids, you know, and um, all those things. So God, just it's just a world of tons of work. Mm-hmm. going around children and and yeah and uh my husband so this year i don't know if you know the tacoma school district had a strike and um and it was just i don't know we're just learning so much about the dividing difference between like an administration and the actual teachers and the respect you know through pay that they are requested to that they should get you know like teachers mm-hmm. get paid so well and to do a job that is so huge. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why we need know. to, people just need to pay more taxes for that, or at least we need to make sure the taxes get allocated to education because it's just so important. But I'm not sure why it yeah. ends up being not as financially as important, it seems like, in budgets. Well, I maybe our world is focused on other things, but I, you know, I get the people who are retired who don't have kids in the school system, and they're like, I don't want my money to go there. You know, I mean, that's their choice because mm-hmm. I've heard that before. Yeah, um, I mean, you hear that all the time. But you you're know, like, like, well, it's just like you don't if you don't drive on a road. You're like, why should I pay taxes for a road that I don't drive on? You're like, well, right, exactly, yeah. You're like, because you get stuff exactly. from Amazon, maybe. You know, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know what? Road. I often wonder too. I often wonder too if like our culture has gotten so uh, or has for a long time and this is a whole nother probably podcast, you know, it's gotten so much about being about the individual, mm-hmm. um, to the sacrifice of all the things a community can do for itself or a village, you know what I mean? Um, and that it takes a village and raising the whole village is so much more beneficial than just having one individual survive really, really well. I don't know. Oh, for sure. Um, I and mean, we should bring am back I sounding socialism. Like socialist right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I know, right? My husband and I joke about like, oh, being a socialist or whatever. I mean, that's the funny thing. Um, is like, I find it just logical. Yeah. I mean, some socialism is good. It's like we do use it mm-hmm. even in capitalist society. There's like, you know, we have things like Medicare and Medicaid, which, you know, and these other things. And, we all benefit yeah. from all helping each other out. It's some weird when people are like, I'm against socialism. I'm like, okay, but you know, you're okay with helping people. <laughs> it's like, there's, right, there's advantages right. to it. Yeah. Well, I don't, we're I not giving up back all my... of our money, you know, that wouldn't work. Yeah. Well, I roll back my thoughts to just, uh, for instance, why don't, why don't families 
live in the same place? You know, like, are we being raised to like leave our parents and then go off and live like across the land? I mean, I guess if you don't get along with your parents or I've said to close friends of mine, like, why don't we live by each other? How did I go through my 20s through several bands who I spent intimate, you know, years with? None of our children know each other. Like none of us hang out in a community or live in the same place. You know, I have best friends who are single moms who live super far away. And I'm like, why don't you live here? You know, why, why aren't we thinking, mm-hmm. let's go live in a similar neighborhood because I could watch your kid or right, right. lend you some sugar or... It makes a uh, lot of but sense. But no one's thinking like that. No, it seems very weird that yeah. like our neighbors are people that we don't know as well. It's yeah. Like, and that you get to know them because they're your neighbors. But the, this whole... I'm living somewhere. I just picked that house because it was good for the school system for Nova. And it's like, it wasn't about anything else. I mean, it's still close to some of my family, but right. You know, it's like right. this thing where it sure would have been nice to have like a good friend close by, you know, although I'd probably still never see them because our lives are crazy, but you know, <laughs> well, and that, yeah, right. That just happens in your lifetime, but there's something about that. Um, because I, you know, it's funny. I say that, I mean, I have led a very singular individual blazing my own personal trail, like by myself, like that's, I'm by nature a lot like that. And I enjoy that. It's very streamlined, you know, I'm going to go do what I want to do. Um, and so I get that I live a lot of that. I think we all kind of live a lot, like I've got to make my decisions and get somewhere or decide what I'm doing and, you know, go, go. Um, but there's, a, there's something about it. And I guess that's, I guess I would love some, it's when folks are listening some books to read around this because this idea is striking me as yeah. um, missing and it's a missing could be a missing comfort um, especially around here as things get more expensive and people are having to move mm-hmm. or I'm like if you had a, a, a neighborhood of people who could help each other out for instance like free stuff right I belong to um there's an anarchist like channel on Facebook or buy, sell trade on uh, for Tacoma. And I'm sure there is in Seattle and everywhere where I'm like, people should be getting more free stuff. Like, Hey, I got a perfectly good couch. You can have it. Here's a bunch of clothes. You can have them. Like yeah. when Orion was young, we never bought clothes cause we just traded clothes. I mean, baby clothes are barely worn a lot of the time. Oh, I know. Um, you get a, you're, you're lucky to get a couple days out of them. Yeah, and you can still get cute, cool clothes, whatever it is. I mean, um, and I'm a huge Value Village Goodwill shopper. Um, just And it used to be fun because I want to wear, you know, when I was younger, it was like I want to find the vintage stuff or I want to find the wacky stuff. But lately when I go there, especially if I'm dropping off things, the bundles of clothes, you know, the warehouses of bundles of products. Right in excess that we go through like just you know yeah it's a little, it's a little that's crazy I don't I mean, want to go to the mall yeah I mean, we, 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 everybody has access to a lot of I mean that's the thing it's like yeah there's a lot of wealth diversity but it's like the amount of yeah. stuff that people acquire is I feel like it's going up more than the sharing I mean I was just talking with somebody yeah. about this idea of like uh, you know maybe an Uber or an Amazon service of the future would be like I don't need a I don't need a, a power screwdriver. I don't need to own one because like the amount of times I use it is right. like a few times a year. It sure would be nice if I could just go on a website and be like, I need a power screwdriver and the Uber guy shows up with the one from the tool library 
and you rent yes, it for like exactly. a few dollars and then it goes right back into the community, you know, tool library service, but making it as easy as lending as possible. I mean, I guess I could just go to the tool library we have in our neighborhood and go and rent, check one out. But the idea of somebody bringing it to my door that I don't buy, I'm just renting it and I give it back because I don't need it. <laughs> I don't need to keep it yeah. on the charger for that day that I'm like, I really need to screw something together today. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I also feel like I wonder if and I'm going to just we should just list the topics we've covered in this hour because it's ridiculous. I'm just because I can <laughs> I just can hear myself go. I'm going to segue into something else um, because I think about I think about how our communication methods and like social media keep you know are such isolating. I mean, we're sharing or we're sharing privately alone in our houses or on our phones or individually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I wonder if it's made it more uncomfortable for people to just communicate together to strangers or if we've gotten more shyer or, you know, I just prefer to be by myself. I don't want my neighbor in my business or mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody's got neighbors who bug them, you know, like there's that, that's, I get that. Like there's going to be people you, you just don't want to know, but has it gotten harder or more uncomfortable for us to talk to each other. Um, I, like I can feel that mm-hmm. I can feel the day where I'm like, I've had a long week and I don't want to talk to anybody. Um, yeah, it definitely feels like so that's I, the I trend get that. is like, you know, there's, cause there, there's already a lot of communication that's happening. It's just not happening face to face or on a small local scale. Yeah. I think it's definitely true. Like yeah. even with my teenage daughter, it's like, I feel like she does less social events than I did at her age by a long shot, but she's online a lot more. So it's like it, oh. it, it triggers those things, you know, it's like just, you could watch, I mean, I guess even like listening to a podcast with people, it's like, it kind of fulfills that intimate conversation because it's just being right into your ears. And it's like, you know, right. these people and it's like the sense of, you know, you watching YouTubers or whatever that like she does, it's, I think it kind of fulfills some of that need, but it doesn't really, and you don't know that it doesn't really fulfill that intimate personal connection Yeah, because it kind of does, you know, that's something I worry about. Well, you can privately tap into a conversation so you don't feel alone. Like I listen to podcasts and I love overhearing, listening to the conversation and there's tons of stuff I can relate to. Mm -hmm. And part of me having this, this podcast is that I do want to talk to people. um, But I know the days, you know, where I'm, in my life and I'm tired and I don't want to, I don't want to talk to anybody, but I also realized the I have felt the richness of getting to know my neighbors. Like it does require just like small app, just like friendships. It requires time, some time logged in efforts made, mm-hmm. you know, in order to build it in order to build it. And I'm, I'm definitely someone who can isolate and be on my own. But I've really thought about that for myself and said, I, I don't want just isolation. I don't want that. So it's going to require me calling up Ryan and saying, Hey, let's do this podcast again. You know, right. w- whether I'm tired or not, like it's not going to happen care unless you make the phone call or send an email. <laughs> yeah. Which or is do good. Something. And then the nice thing oh. about having your own pie, you've got a huge reach to a larger audience. So, you know, it's like we can have this conversation, but more people can listen to it than just the two of us. So, you know, maybe somebody can yeah, and take I hope away they do. Yeah. 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 And I hope they do. And wouldn't it be magical if people said, Oh, I got something out of that or, um, or shared some information of their own to continue. Cause it is, it, it, even though it's just you and I talking, I want it to be an exchange and I want it to, um, 
inspire people to say, hey, I know what you're talking about and you should read this book. Mm -hmm. This was an amazing book. Like, great, great exchange. Thank you. You know, like um, to grow it into something bigger, you know, and maybe that person suggests a book and you're like, well, let's you get on the podcast and you seem to know a little bit about this. Um, uh, And so it's interesting, yeah, how this vehicle can can aid in that. Um, And that's that's all kind of new. Yeah, for um, sure. <laughs> I was laughing like a, on a note of friendship. Uh, my husband, who is probably more in, well, more introverted, he's he's pretty introverted, but mm-hmm. um, but had such a better like understanding of friendship. Like he's like he had to tell me something that was really obvious. He's like, Carrie, friendships, um, you know. You can st- you can have a friend and still be mad at them and not talk for two years and you're still friends. You know, like friendships require these things. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember exactly what he said, but I remember having this like aha moment that just seems kind of stupid. <laughs> like, oh, is that how you have friends? Like, <laughs> again, just having been somebody who's been probably not a loner, like some rebel loner, but like I'm by myself and I'm comfortable with that. You know, we're doing things and yeah, I work in bands and all that, but ultimately. Um, I'm very comfortable hanging out by myself, um, yeah. but craving like closer friendships. And he's like, well, Carrie, it requires this and it can, uh, it can also have arguments and that's okay. Or yeah, you can I mean, choose to be mad at your friend fine. for a while. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's part of the healthy friendship is like having differences with people, you know, you know, yeah. just create a friend yeah. that's an echo chamber. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, how much, I'm not sure you have much more time because we decided to do get on the phone around lunchtime. Um, but I'm, as we post this, I'm sort of sending out the word. If people have great books around some of the things we've talked about today, be it um, autism or school systems or community or social media, I don't know. We've talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear suggestions. Um, the same, and then yeah. I was going to, yeah, I do. I think it'd be really cool. We could talk about, we could talk about some of those things if we get some info. Um, I was also going to tell you that I'm hoping. I just did an interview with Shelby Earl, who is an amazing uh, singer songwriter in our Northwest area, who is uh, newly married and about to be a new mom. And we had a big, um, we recorded an interview she did with me around what is it like to be a musician and an artist and then become a mother and all those things that go through your mind or happen. And she had a bunch of questions uh, for me and we recorded it. And so I'm hoping I get to post um, that interview as one of our podcasts. Nice. That and sounds then we like could fun. Do a follow up with her. Yeah. yeah, it was, I, I thought it was really cool. And we both agreed that we don't feel like people talk about it. It's not something, it's something I rarely ever see Mm -hmm. in an article, but I crave deeply um, to hear from other artists who have had children and uh, the things they've gone through or what their lives look like and, or how they continue to do art or don't and maybe why. And and that's all good too. So to in the future, hopefully that's coming. Yeah. It's a good topic for sure. I think every parent runs through those issues of like, Oh, I won't have time for my art because now I got kids and then you make art with the kids and then you make a whole different experience. Yeah. Grow with that. Right. Yeah. It'd be nice to talk about it more. Mm -hmm. So very cool. Well, I'm glad to talk to you again. Yeah. We're going to kick this thing into gear. I'm not going to curse us, but say we should do this again, not in two years, but sooner. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to be two years. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm going to get on this and then we will probably do it so often it's annoying. There you go. So here's my thing. My thing is we're going to do it so often we're going to get an office. <laughs> oh, see. There, now you're talking. Although I should send you a picture of my, office. my view for right now and then you'll see that's not too bad. <gasps> do it. Maybe that's what we'll post as our picture for this podcast. Yeah, because I'm just sitting here looking out at Lake Union at the moment. Oh, yeah, we need that picture. We need that. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, thank you for calling me and sussing out this technology. And thanks to anybody who's listening, um, anybody and everybody who's listening. And uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll hear you or we'll talk at you again soon. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. thanks. And thanks to everyone. All right. All right.